Miss Miranda showed me that song, and uh, we were talking about the the prodigal, and we were putting together the drama, and I was uh, laying out the the people. We were talking about uh, the faces of rebellion, and you remember I. I dealt with that and alluded to that in the first uh, part of the series, the first Sunday, and uh, we were talking about the different faces. We were talking about divorce. We were talking about uh, um, a a child dying and all of this, and Miranda was like, hey, you need to hear a song that I uh, have been listening to, and anyhow, uh, man, the song just went right in like it, it just plug as one of them plug and plays, you know. It just went perfect with what we were trying to do. And uh, man, the more you listen to it, the better it gets. Amen. You know, have you ever had one of them songs where the more you listen to it, the better it gets? And uh, it starts off and it's all right. Come on, starts Amen. off and it's all right. And then it starts wearing on you, starts stepping all over your toes, and then it starts starts uh, breaking you down. And before you know it, it's one of them songs you're like, you know what, that's my life. And uh, I sure am thankful for that song. Uh, if you haven't already, take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter number 15. And uh, I wasn't kidding, I'm going to give it, we're going to preach this thing, we're going to wear it out. I got another sermon that I could preach out of it too, if, uh, if y'all want that one. Uh, I can give y'all three sermons tonight, and uh, we can just get ready, all right? Uh, but uh, 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 maybe this will help you tonight, and I, I pray the timing's right. Uh, you can have the best message in the ro- world and preach it at the wrong time, and, uh, and, and it's horrible. Uh, you can have the worst message in the whole world and preach it at the right time. And uh, man, it'd be uh, the greatest thing you ever heard. And so anyhow, I pray that the Lord's timing is right on this. I pray not, no, I pray my time is right on this. And uh, I got ahead of the Lord. But in Luke chapter number 15, if you're there, say amen. amen. We'll start reading in verse number 11 and I'll read all the way through the end. And uh, you know, on Sundays, we've really not done that. Uh, and then last Wednesday night, we started a little late in the chapter or a little later in the, in the uh, uh, story there. But tonight, we'll read the whole thing. And uh, as we read this, I want you uh, to focus on the Father. Uh, we tend to focus on the prodigal, and that's what uh, this is about, and this is what Jesus was addressing. And, uh, and the Father is a part of that, but let's not miss him throughout the scripture and throughout uh, the story of the prodigal son, all right? So tonight, as we look at it, let's begin reading, and we're introduced to him as a certain man. He said, and a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Now you hear me talk about this because I guess this is just one of them things that just kind of hits, hits home because I'm a pastor, not because I'm a son. But I have seen so many people fight over what, is, what, uh, what somebody that's gone ahead and, and passed on has left behind. It's something that you didn't earn. It's something that you have no rights to. I need somebody to help me. The only right that you have to that and your right to that is your claim to be kin to them. This boy, he came to his father and he said, Father, give me the portions of good that falleth to me. He wanted what his father had before his father died. 
In other words, God, uh, uh, he, he went to his father. He said, Father, I want you to give me what I'm going to get when you die. And I know you're not dead yet, but I want it. Does everybody get that? Man, that bothers me in Scripture. Always has. I mean, it always has. I told my dad, and uh, he's probably watching tonight, and I told my dad, I said, uh, uh, he, he talking about one time, his, you know, he, he's uh, going to try to leave money, this, that, and the other. I, I told my dad, I said, spend it all. Spend it all. Because all that will be done with what you leave behind is people fight over it. They'll fight over it. That's it. Something that they didn't earn, they have no right to, they'll fight over it. And here this son comes to his father and he says, give me the portion that's mine and I want it now. I don't want to have to wait until you're dead. I don't want to have to bury you. I don't want to have to deal with all of that. I want my money now. Is everybody all right? That bothers me in this scripture. But I want to focus on the father, so let's look at how the father dealt with it. He gave him the portion. <laughs> that was his. He divided unto them his living. I mean, come on, y'all, help me out now. It makes me mad and probably ruffles some of your feathers, but the father gave the son what he asked. Everybody all right? Amen. That bothered me too. I, I, I remember last week I said something in the sermon last week. I said that the, the elder son, he, he stayed at the house. He was in the house, but he was far from the father's heart, right? And so when I look at this, Dalton, and I see the way that I reacted to the son coming and wanting something, I realize that maybe I'm far from the father's heart. Oh, is everybody all right? I don't mean you getting anything, but I mean, it's it just... I'm thinking that I might be far from the Father's heart. And so anyhow, y'all pray for me. All right, now, verse number 13. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with righteous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him to his field, into his field to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? So he came to himself, and he tells us a little bit about the father. The, the father provided for those that was under his care. And he didn't just provide just enough he provided plenty to the point that the son recognized that the father provided enough and to spare. In other words, the son did not leave because the father wasn't taking good care of him. I need somebody to help me right there. I want you to notice that it wasn't because of anything the father did that the son left. The father did his part. He had, he, he had plenty of bread. He made plenty of provisions, even to the point that there was enough to spare. There was, there was plenty left when he got done. 
And so, I, 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 this is a good father. Can we get a witness right there? He provided. It wasn't like uh, uh, him and the son was butting heads. It wasn't like he was too demanding of the son. It wasn't like he was doing all these. He did what he was supposed to do as a father. And he provided for those that was under him. And the boy says, I perish with hunger. Verse number 18. He says, I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Which tells me once again, when his son came to him senses, he realized that even the servants had it good. Even the servants had it good. A lot better than what he had it. Verse number 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Let's just stop. How's the Bible say it? Selah. That means pause and reflect. Here this boy comes to his father and says, I'm not going to wait till you're dead. I want what's mine now. Soon as his father gives it to him, the kindness of his father is displayed. He goes out and blows it all. He comes home. I need somebody to help me. I need, let's just get, right, right now, let's get in the, just a little bit in the flesh, not much, but just a little bit. As a father, for a son to come and say, I want what's mine, and I ain't waiting, or I want what's yours, let me say it that way, and I ain't waiting till you die, I can imagine that the first thought of the father had was, somebody help me right here, you're making a bad mistake. Come on, help me. You're making a bad mistake. You're going to go out, you're going to blow it all, you're going to have nothing left, and you're going to come back crying to me. I need somebody to help me. I need a daddy to help me. Well, that's how we think. And boy, you ain't, got, you ain't responsible enough to be handling that kind of money, and all you're going to do is go out and blow it. Then when you get, when you're sorry behind, gotten rid of all of my living, you're going to come running back to daddy and expect me to just take you in. Come on, I need somebody to help me. And so, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I have, we, we grew up in a time, I grew up in a time where if you did something wrong, your first phone, your first phone call wasn't to dad. Amen. Michelle had a cousin, me and him was close, and uh, he, got, he got drunk run one night, and uh, anyhow, he got thrown in jail, got a DUI. His name was Clifford. Anyhow, they went to Clifford, and they told Clifford, they said, hey, you got your phone call, you want us to call your daddy? He said, no, sir, I'll sit right here. I need somebody to say amen. Had a daddy like we had a daddy. Amen. No, sir, it's better for me. <laughs> I'm a lot safer in this jail than I am in his car. I'll sit right here. But here, the prodigal comes back to the son. And I noticed something else about the father. When he could have, and maybe even should have, been a little upset, he doesn't show it. He was looking for the return of his son. 
I don't care how you look at it, but the Bible says he was a great way off and his father saw him. It didn't say his father saw a figure. His father saw him from a great way off, which meant went to me. He was looking for him to return. And the Bible says he had compassion and he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I'm thinking the first thing that what my father would have done would have nothing to do with falling on the neck. I need somebody to help me. Matter of fact, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. My dad, my stepdad, either one of them would have met me way before I got on the property and let me know that I wasn't welcome. I would have spent the next five minutes rehearsing what that boy rehearsed in the hog pen, begging my daddy for mercy, and my daddy would have probably said, you can be one of the servants. (laughs) But the father didn't. The father loved him. Look at the next verse, verse 21. The Bible says, And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Look at verse 22. But the father said to his servants, Now see, if you go back, what that boy rehearsed in the hog pen, he says, I'm no longer worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy servants. But the father cut him off. Mm. Oh, I need somebody to help me. We want somebody to grovel at our feet. We want somebody to beg us for forgiveness and all of this. And the father shows us he just cut him right off. Didn't even get to the point where he said, I'll be a servant. The father said to the servants, bring forth the best robe. I need somebody to help me. After somebody done squandered their living, he going to bring forth the best robe. I, I need somebody to help me. I'd be like, go find that boy a t-shirt or something like that. I bring forth the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand. In other words... Give him back the status that he's always had. Put shoes on his feet. Put shoes on his feet. Verse number 23. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be married. Now, let's not stop, because the story doesn't. Now the elder, his elder son, was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and here we go, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he received him safe and sound. The Bible says that this elder son was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him or begged him. Mm. Here a rebellious son, a bitter son, has gone and spoiled the celebration. And what did dad do? He didn't come out and say, boy, you get your behind in there, I'm going to tear your butt up. He didn't come out and say, listen here, if you don't straighten up your act, I'll make sure you're one of the servants. He come out and he begged him. He loved on him. 
He answering said to his father, Lo, these many years I do I serve thee, neither transgressed I any time of thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid and that I might make merry with my friends. Now, he's just made an accusation against the father. I need somebody to help me. You ever have, come on, y'all, talk to me. I need a dad to talk to me and tell me, how would you feel if a youngin stood in your face and said, you ain't been good to me? He done lied. He said he ain't never transgressed, and we know that's a lie. He said, but as soon as thy son, this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And listen to what the father says. And he said unto him, son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. I was looking at this and I was reminded of ministry. Man, you can go, how many of you know that there's one interpretation of the Bible and there's many applications? And we've dealt with the interpretation of the Bible on Sunday morning and how Jesus was dealing with the Pharisees and the scribes because they had a problem with him eating with the publicans and the sinners. And Jesus was showing them the, the heart of the Father and how that he rejoiced and all heaven rejoiced when a sinner repented and came home, right? Or was lost and then found. And so we understand the interpretation of the scripture, but an application, I want to look at ministry and I want to look at life in general. And I want to say this, that many of us have, a, we, many of us have experienced rejection. Come on. Whether it be a family member, whether it be a friend, whether it be society, whether it be a church, whether it be a leader in a church, whether it be the pastor of the church. We've all experienced rejection. We've all experienced it. Maybe we wouldn't call it rejection, but we felt as though it was rejection. How many of you know this? That when somebody walks away, it's hard not to take it personal. Now, I ain't talking about something that's going on right now, so all you little busybodies and all you little gossips, y'all just chill out. Ain't got nothing to do with anything going on right now, as far as I know. Ain't nobody walking away. But we've all experienced it in our life, whether it be a family member or a friend or something in our life that has walked away and you cannot help but feel the rejection of that. I mean, let's talk about it from the father's perspective. He's given everything to the child. He's given all that he could do. He's provided everything that he possibly could for the youngin. And now the youngin stands in his face and says, what you have provided and what you have done is not good enough. I can do better on my own. I don't need you, Dad. Just give me some money and let me go. And the father has to, well, he didn't have to, but he did. He not only received that rebuke and that rejection but he showed compassion in it and I, I couldn't help but think the elder son was in the house but he wasn't 
near the Father's heart. He was in the Father's house, but he wasn't near the Father's heart. So I've been on that thing all week about my heart. Am I far from the Father's heart? How do I get over? What do I do? And so tonight I want to preach on the lessons of the Father. And I got five of them, but I'm going to give them to you, and we're going to go home. They're just statements, all right? But I want you to notice first off that you must realize that you cannot keep what doesn't want to stay. You cannot keep what doesn't want to stay. The father didn't. He could have protested. The father could have gotten upset. I'm getting some feedback. I'm going to get back up top, man. Uh, he, he, he could have protested. He could have been upset. He could have been aggravated. He could have shown his displeasure. He could have lectured his son. But yet he realized that you cannot keep what doesn't want to stay. And that's a hard lesson for all of us. Can I get a witness? How many of us has caused ourselves great pain and anguish and even more suffering because we kept something that wanted to leave? We worked very hard to hold on to something that had a foot out the door and was pulling as hard as it could to get the other one out. And the Father teaches us a lesson that you cannot keep what doesn't want to stay. And so you must, number two, release it. You must release them. Release them, release it to the consequences of their own actions. Oh, I need somebody to help me. So in the first story, in the first parable, the sheep is lost and the shepherd goes and finds him. In the second parable, the coin is lost, the silver, and the woman diligently seeks after it. But in the story of the prodigal, the lost son, dad don't go after him. Dad releases him To the consequences of his own actions. I'm fixing to make some parents mad. Stay with me. When you constantly bail your children out. When you constantly chase after them. What you are becoming to them is their savior. And don't be surprised when they get older if they haven't replaced the Savior with their Savior. You must release them to the consequences of their own actions. Matter of fact, if we did this in society, can I get a witness right here? Things would be a lot better than what they are today. Did anybody notice that When the son was in the hog pen, the Bible says that he came to himself. Why do you think he came to himself? Because he was in the hog pen. Listen to me. As long as that boy had food on his table 
As long as he had a drink on the table, as long as he had a coin in his pocket, as long as he had a place to stay, he didn't need the father. But when the consequences of his actions caught up with him, he came to himself. Is everybody all right? The father wasn't involved with that. Why? Because the father released him to the consequences of his own actions. So not only we must refuse or we must realize rather that we can't keep what doesn't want to stay, but we must release them to the consequences of their own actions. Now some of you are mad at me right now and, I, and that's fine. You can do lessons from the mother later. But we're doing lessons from the father. And since he's a good picture of the heavenly father, I think I'll go with his. Everybody. Number three. You must realize that you cannot keep something that doesn't want to stay. You must release them to the consequences of their actions. Number three, you must refuse to allow their actions to provoke your emotions. You ever watch your youngin? You ever watched a loved one? You ever watched a, 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 a student or, or anything of that nature that did something and you seen they were doing something wrong? You knew that the consequences of their actions were going to be rough and it was going to be ugly. And yet... They weren't going to stay, and you couldn't make them stay. But you can't allow what they're doing to affect your emotions. I don't mean you don't cry for your youngin'. I don't mean that I'm sure that there was some tears shed when the boy left the father. But you must not allow their actions... To provoke your emotions. You can't act out in anger. Because, man, I need somebody to help me. I'm just going to go ahead and pull the belt off and whip my behind. Because there's been many times when I disagreed with something someone was doing and I took it out on them. I allowed their actions to manipulate and to provoke my emotions and in my emotions come on now I said things I had no business saying I did things I had no business doing come on I need somebody to help me get angry you can't take back that stuff I've said some things to my wife I've said some things to my kids I've said things to church members that if I could I'd run it down, grab it, bottle it up, and never let them hear it. But the problem was, I let my emotions dictate my actions. I, was, I allowed my emotions to be provoked by their actions. I can only do so much. At some point, 
you have to realize you can only do so much and their bad, their bad choices and their bad actions don't allow it to provoke Good. your emotions and you end up saying something or doing something Amen. that'll make it impossible for them to come home. Oh, I need somebody to hear me. Make it impossible for them to come home. Remember we was talking earlier and I told you we grew up in a time where if you did something wrong, you didn't call dad. How sad would that be now? Back in the day, I told my kids, I told, I told Dalton and Kalen, Zachary didn't get this one. But that, both Dalton and Kalen got this speech. You can be as dumb as you want to be when you move out of my house. But as long as you're living in my house, you're going to do what I tell you to do. I mean, I need somebody to say amen. You remember that? Dalton, you remember that lecture? Uh, KK got it too. I don't know where she went. She's probably outside smoking. But anyhow, oh, KK's right there. But anyhow, she's videoing it. KK, you remember that lecture? You can be as dumb as you want to as soon as you move out of my house. But as long as you're living under my roof, you're going to do what I tell you to do. But too many of us are allowing, and I have done it in my past, allow something that we don't like to provoke us to a point to where we tell a youngin, you leave, don't come back. You go and do this, you ain't got no place here. Come on, y'all, help me. Lessons from the Father. Number four, you must remain focused in your anointing, in your calling. Oh, I need somebody. I can't let the actions of somebody else change what God's called me to do. If somebody leaves the church... Everybody likes to come and let me know. You knew before you ever come to me that they've left the church. All you want is a reaction out of me because you're trying to provoke my emotions, hoping that I'll say something wrong that you can go back and tell them about. Amen. Preacher's on to you. Is everybody all right? I mark you too. Bible says mark those that cause division. I mark you. Everybody all right? I have a calling. My calling can't be done without you. But believe it or not, if you leave, God will replace you. And so you've got to stay focused on what God has called you to do. Lastly, I'm done. You must reject... Mm, you must reject being influenced by the bitterness of others towards the one that left. The elder son, did he not demonstrate how bitter he was? Did he not let the father know how low down and sorry that son was? Did he not tell that, that father that that boy has wasted all your living on harlots? 
Had the father been influenced by the bitterness of others towards the one who left, the son would have had no place to come. I hope y'all understand what I'm saying. God was dealing with me on this and, you know, there's things that, there's people that have walked out of my life and have left and they have run their mouth about me. They have run their mouth about the church. And I'll be honest with you, it's sometimes very difficult not to get caught up in the emotions of it. There have been times that I have. There's been times that I've said things that I ain't got no business saying. I remember uh, one time that uh, we had a visitor that come to the church and they said that they came into our church and nobody shook their hand and the preacher got on to them because they're, talking about me, got on to them because their baby was crying. And they put it all over Facebook and it was a good slam in the preacher's face and everything else and I, everybody all right? I defended y'all and me. Amen. I said, first off, you ain't never, ain't nobody ever walked into our church and not shook hands with somebody. That's right. and I, we got some people that are just plain annoying. Amen. <laughs> I just kid. I just kid. I kid. But I, I said, I know you ain't walked into this church and nobody shook your hand or nobody spoke to you. And I'm about certain, 100% certain, you have never heard me run off anybody because of a crying baby. If I can't preach over a crying baby, I need somebody to help me, then I ain't got no business preaching. Amen. I bring them all. Lay them in the floor up here. Let them cry. We'll let them walk around. I'll try not to step on them, and we'll have church, all right? That's right. Come on. But anyhow, I remember I got on Facebook, and, man, I went, to, I went ahead and let them know. I did it through a private message. I did. It was good. It was, Miss Penny. Until they copied and pasted it and put it on. <laughs> up everybody else. I let my emotions. Come on, y'all. I'll be honest with you. I make mistakes. If you don't think so, uh, you stick around here. I'm, I'm good. I, I will let you know I made mistakes. That's right. I ain't always been perfect at it. But what I'm saying is there are some folks that have left the wrong way and come back. And when, praise the Lord, there was a place for them to come home. I'm not perfect. I really do want to be closer to the Father's heart. And I understand that the people's going to leave and there's nothing I can do about it. If they want to leave, I can't keep them. And when they leave, I, I have to release them. I can't just hold on to that. I can't, can't keep on. I got to refuse to allow their actions to affect my emotions. Amen. I have to remember that this thing's bigger than just one person. God's called me. And God has called you to do something great. So I got to remain focused and I got to keep, I got to stay in my calling. I don't remember what the last one was, but I was going good there for a minute. Amen. <laughs> hey. Oh, 
I got to refuse to let. Because here's the thing. When they leave, it feels like rejection. But chances are it ain't just you that's feeling it. And there'll be people in your life that if you let them, they'll influence you with their bitterness. When God does bring them home, when they do come to, I need somebody to help me. When they do come to their senses and they return, we need to be like the Father. Not influenced by the bitterness of others. Quick to show compassion and love. And here's the toughest part. Ms. Karen, we must restore them back to the place that they were. That's right. Mm. Mm. I don't think you really understand how difficult that is. But the son didn't become the servant. Father said, no. You'll always be the son. And he rejoiced that what had rejected him, what had walked off from him, was now come home. I've been excited about this prodigal series. I love it when God gives me something and then it just all comes together. And you see God use it. But the whole point of the prodigal was he came home. And the father received him and restored him. And if I am going to be like the father's heart, and there must be compassion in mind. There must be love and a spirit of forgiveness Amen. and restoration. All right, come around this altar because all of y'all need to get your hearts right. You know good and well that you're more like the elder son than we are the father. You know that because you like me. As I told you, I wonder if I'm not a problem. I don't want to just be in the Father's house. I want to be close to the Father's heart. And if the Father's heart was restoration, and if the Father's heart was compassion, if the Father's heart was love, then that's where my heart needs to be. Don't allow bitterness in you or others to affect somebody that's trying to come home. They came to themselves. They deserve the same opportunity to come home. Let God soften your heart tonight. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, you've been so good to us. Can't help but think of that song, Kind. There's parts of this story 
God, where I'm the prodigal. I, I've said that. I've said it all during this series. I, I relate to the prodigal. I've rejected you. I've rejected others. I've left to go do my own thing only to find myself with nothing and with no one. God, I've looked at this passage of Scripture and I've seen myself as the elder son. I've looked at others that have squandered away what you've given them. Have rejected you and spit in your face. And God, I've gotten frustrated and bitter at them. So I can relate to that elder son. But Lord, as we preached last week, it's easy to be in your house and far from your heart. God, I don't want to be far from your heart. I ain't perfect and I, I don't expect to be. But God, I'm going to try to learn the lessons that you teach here in Scripture. I'm going to do my best to be a place that welcomes those that have rejected, those that have wasted their lives, those that have wasted their living, Lord, those that have been to the bottom, Lord, a place for them to come home. Lord, I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice. May we get in tune with your heart. Lord, love others the way that you love us. Heads still bowed and eyes closed. I want to ask tonight, if you're in this building, you be honest with this preacher. Say, preacher, there's never been a time in my life Where I have been saved. And preacher, if I was to die right now, I don't know where I'd spend eternity. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hand up. So I'll know how to end the service. All right, our Heavenly Father, once again, we come to you thanking you for your goodness, Lord, thanking you for your grace. Lord, may we learn to forgive as you forgave. May we look at the Father tonight and the story of the prodigal and Lord, see that Lord, he, he didn't even get a full confession. He was ready to forgive. Arms open wide. Compassion in his heart. Lord, may we be close to your heart tonight and not just attendance in your house. May we learn to forgive quick, learn how to love others, even when we disagree with what they've done. Lord, may we learn how to welcome them back in such a manner that they feel at home. 
Lord, we'll be sure to thank you for what you've done tonight in our hearts. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.